Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. Have you ever thought to yourself about how you can change the world? Like actually, like when you were a young kid, maybe, oh, I can change the world one day. What would you do? Maybe something that you could draw a lot of attention to so people could rally behind? Well, how about hiking 600 nautical miles in 60 days to the South Pole, powered entirely by renewable energy? This is the story of Barney Swan, the man on a mission to remove 320 million tons of carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere by 2025. On episode six of the Relators podcast, Barney tells you about how to freeze your ass off in 60 days, how that experience changed his outlook on life, and what gets the guy out of bed every single morning. Folks, Relators podcast now available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Real leaders. Who are they? Where are they hiding? And why does the world need more? Hello, folks. My name is Kevin Edwards with Real Leaders Media. And we are on a mission to find the realest of the real leaders. Because in today's day and age, the world's biggest problems are the world's biggest business opportunities that need the best leaders. So in this podcast, get to know the different people who are making a difference. Is, is what is your definition of a real leader? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I think there's two things about a real leader. One is a real leader is dedicated to making things better for others. Is a leader is able to to change trajectory in a positive way and grow followers. I see a damn good leader as someone who's really fair. Make a mission, they make a resolve, and then they just go for it. Follow your heart, trust your gut, um, and don't be afraid to fail because you know failures make you smarter. And um, just keep building, just keep growing, just keep learning. So, to all my real leaders out there, the conversation to address the world's biggest problems starts here. All right, Barney, let's do this one. I'm ready for action, mate. You're ready for action? Mm-hmm. Sure seems like it. So tell me about it. Yeah, I meet you a couple days ago, and you're the first booth I go to. You got a virtual reality camera on the table. Um, or not virtual reality camera, a 360 camera, if that's, if that's what you Same call thing. it. Same thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you got a virtual reality headset line right there. I ask you about what you do, and you said, let me show you, and you put the goggles on, and I get to experience you basically going to Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And you're skiing, you're with your father. What is this all about? What's the mission, and, and why are you here? Well, I super, super appreciate you being number, number one in your... Uh, in your <laughs> Caught long, my eye. <laughs> yeah, lo- a long, a long uh, journey around that expo uh, hall, I'm guessing. But... Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, the journey <clears throat> has been, been really began with my father back in the 80s. He uh, pulled together some really, really hardy expeditions uh, to the, both the North and South Pole. And uh, he became the first person to walk to the, both the North and South Pole, like uh, one of those one of those sort of great adventures. Yeah, really. big time. Similar to you know Edmund Edmund Hillary sort of pushing that final summit, and and you know those early explorers pushing the unknown. I mean, imagine just sailing off the planet and and not knowing what's down there. I mean, the really early explorers. Yeah, and, uh, he really he really wanted to follow in their footsteps. And what was um, the craziest thing that he saw? Uh, uh, when you I say when you say not knowing what's down there, I mean. No, the, I mean I think that 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 unknown is more the legacy of those mm. real hardy fellas, like because they truly didn't know what they were doing. They right. were sailing off the edge of the planet. I mean, you look look at Magellan going across the Pacific after finding Magellan Strait in South America. I mean, mm. they literally were out there for ninety days, not knowing if they'd ever see land again. I right. Mean, that that <laughs> sort of true unknown really, I think, inspired him. To, to make a, an authentic expedition that was truly hardy. I mean, no GPS, no no safety net, no radio, no anything. If they had broken their leg, they'd have been left for dead. Uh, the three of them who walked to the south. Oh, yeah, and, totally. You know, ran out of food, left for dead, and make it navigation, all that error, you know, you die. And, um, you know, he dad, dad then walked to the North Pole and became the first to do both and uh, was actually the third team to walk to the South Pole after Amundsen and um, Scott. So it was some, no, it, it was like almost a, a race to the moon, but no one knew about it, and it was a hell of a lot colder. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll say. But no one, ever, no, <laughs> no one never necessarily remembers the third person on the moon. Um, right. But super hardy expeditions, and Dad touched climate change in both the North and South Pole, went from the South Pole, he uh, walked under the hole in the ozone layer the year it was discovered, and his face blistered off, his eyes changed colour from sun damage, and when he walked to the North Pole, he experienced sea, sea ice melting four months before it ever had, which jeopardised the expedition and almost didn't allow them to finish. So he touched really? what we're seeing on an exponential level right now with climate change. Like That was the early signs of what is going to be happening into this century, because how climate change works is that there's a delay, there's like a ripple delay, like what we're experiencing now is like, you know, in the 40s, the 30s in regards to the emissions, like there's, oh, really? that, there's that long delay of actually it getting absorbed into the cycle and like that, that whole process. So he was really seeing the start of like things starting to... From the 40s? Yeah, earlier, earlier. And like, oh, wow. uh, and now, you know, what we're going to be seeing in this century is going to be just completely exponential because obviously the baby boomer generation and you know that the whole population curve is uh is really the key index driving this all like my, my grandma's 103 uh still kicking it still causing trouble and when she was born there was 1.7 billion people on our planet and now we're approaching 7.6 in one lady's lifetime wow and that that curve is we're 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 not even feeling like five billion at the moment, four billion like that 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 we we still have so much delay, and that's why we really need to meet, reach um, net neutrality as quickly as we can from a CO two standpoint, mm. and uh, that really was what I wanted to focus on because Dad and I had been working for six years together, uh, taking people to Antarctica, doing sustainability and leadership programs, and um, and then we. Uh, 
I really wanted to do an expedition that was more relevant to what's going on now with the energy transition and everything with CO2 and, and something that could grab people's attention and be a springboard for me to then launch right. into my campaign, the Climate Force Challenge, which I can tell you a little bit more in a second. But it, it, it comes back to that response to that ripple because that mm. scares me, like the population and that delay. I can only imagine, yeah, and if that's, that's what's going on. Yeah, and, and hearing that not just from my dad, but going into NASA AIM stations in San Francisco, and like actually hearing that from proper you know, scientists, like, and obviously we can read things online and hear things and see Al Gore on his ladder, but once you hear it from like really the, the, the source, like NASA, like I was, I was completely flabbergasted with how little people were taking it seriously. I yeah. mean, like, just carrying on and, and viewing it as... Well, denying it. There's so many people out there that, that literally deny it. And it's just, it's it's not deniable. It's the reality. And yeah. It's a reality that's going to continue to get far worse before it gets better. And we are in a in a time of mitigation, not, not stopping it. It's like, how bad are we going to allow it to get instead right. of... We're not going to stop this. This bandwagon is well down the hill. So I'm just going to do a recap. So dad goes on uh, to explore the unknown, pull the pole, first person to ever do that. Mm -hmm. You say, okay. And then he's done a legacy of, you know, uh, of 30 years right. of education and climate climate change and, you know, working in the United Nations. but Important, yeah. And, and renewable energy and all, all of that sort of stuff, but... And taking people directly to Antarctica. That is his legacy, mm. but I wanted to build on that, have a target that I was accountable for, and that's where the cleaning up and reducing 360 millions, million tons of CO2 before the year 2025 came out. That's the target that I want to hold myself accountable for. Okay. Because I think CO2 is the leading index right now that we need to be focusing on to mitigate. And so 360 million tons of CO2. Correct. You want to reduce by 2025. That's the goal. So you go to Antarctica, and I am, I'm looking at your experience through this virtual reality. You're freezing your ass off. Uh, your dad had to turn back early. Uh, what is going through your head? You know, are you thinking, hey, is that 360 million really, you know, is it that important right now? I mean, not, not, are you, not, did not, you ever doubt yourself when yeah, you're doing this thing? I mean, day 45, I had chafe, like literally felt like I had a cheese grater in between my legs, like chunks of flesh falling off my leg, Oof. like frostbite on my feet. You know, my, I couldn't feel my hands. I had frostbite on my face. I hadn't had a shower for a month and a half, like... Shit was getting pretty serious. Yeah. And like sitting in that tent in minus like... And I, and I just want to pause. And, and if you're listening to this, 45 days. And how long was your trip? 60. 60. Try going a day in, a, in Antarctica. Just one day. Minus 45. Minus 45 degrees. 24-hour daylight. 16,000 feet of ice sometimes beneath your feet. And uh, just savage wind straight in your face. So on it, it took you 45 days to doubt yourself? Yeah, well... Dang. No, 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, to really... No, I don't I think never, that lasts I never, I never, two I never, hours. I never doubted myself, but I really was in a lot of pain in that moment. Yeah. And was scared that I might lose my toe. Mm -hmm. And, like, that moment was a huge lesson in regards to understanding I was in that situation because I chose to be in that situation, not that circumstance in life threw it at me. And you look at refugees or someone, you know, outside this building, you know, we're in near yeah. Tenderloin, you know, it's a reality. You walk outside this building, you see people in extreme poverty, you know, screwed up on some serious yeah. drugs. And yes, yeah. some of that they choose and they make their destiny and, you know, they make choices. But so many people in this world, 
especially living in first uh, developing countries, you know, they don't know, they're not in a circumstance that they have any control over. And I was, I was in a privileged spot, even though my feet were falling off, I was, you know, bleeding. And, and you felt like an obligation, yeah, like, and I'd need to do this. Yeah, and because I, I chose to do that, and I had to follow through with that, and my purpose of the 360 million, and, and you know, uh, leveraging that story of walking to the South Pole to, you know, drive impact, and drive action, and drive a legacy I'm super proud of, mm. you know, that, that was my choice so I had to I had to follow through with it and even though it really sucked and I just wanted to stay in my sleeping bag and go to sleep for a month you know you had to get up and put your frozen boots on that still had ice at the bottom of them on and put your frostbitten feet in them and and know that your feet are going to get completely numb in five hours and you have to walk three hours and completely numb feet and then you have to warm them up and feel like there's razors going through them for an hour before going to sleep and then sometimes they don't even wake up well, okay, so... The feet for me were like, they were just, that was the yeah. pain, dude. It was just like, every day. It and, was just savage. And you're saying this, and it's something that I'm, I'm hearing, but it's almost something that I just can't, like, even fathom, you know? It's like, what does that do for you mentally as a viewpoint afterwards? Do you appreciate life more? Do you appreciate being in, in warm rooms? Do you, yeah, definitely. What does that do for you? It's a, it's a, it's a double coin, um, unfortunately. Like, I came back to London, and I was went and spoke at the World Economic Forum in Davos, um, like, like, four or five days after coming back, and, you know, going to London in the midway to going to Switzerland. Like, it was just savage, dude, looking or going on the tube to visit my brother, and just everyone's on their phone, mate. Yeah. Like, everyone's on their phone, and it's just like dysfunctional mm. in my opinion like it's it, yes we need to use technology to make business and to make our girlfriend feel great and to you know <laughs> call our mum occasionally and you know a chat with your mate but like I felt like we were just getting used by it and not in like an AI sort of super sort of creepy sense maybe one day but like it was just like getting used by it as a tool of distraction rather as a tool of, right. of uh, an actual tool um, and that really was tough. Like I had six thousand emails, hundreds of voicemails. Like I wasn't connected for for two months. Right. And then coming back, it was just like a, a floodboard, a gate hitting my face. And that was really hard to reintegrate and find that flow again within you know social media and and just looking at like why people are posting. You know, is it for status? Is it for a business? Is it for you know they just want to you know, show people that their girlfriend's hot and that they're, like, I, I've I found a very superficial right. thread within that. And I'm trying to, you know, uh, transform and, like, rise above that and, like, you know, look at it in a different perspective. But the superficialness of, like, technology really, really, Definitely. really hit hard. Um, but at the reverse, reverse end of the spectrum, you know, like, I love gardening, like, being back in flowers and trees Nature. And, the, and the spring and, like, actually being able to have my, sh- like, feet in the sand mm-hmm. or in dirt. Like, it was just the best thing, dude. Like, being back from a place that doesn't even have bacteria. Then what, what motivates you every day? Right now, I mean, uh, be kind and make myself useful, basically. But I've got a mission to do that. And yeah. Just whether it's having... Because you seem very I, driven by this. Oh, I mean, I am, mate. Like, it's it's... I think a, a story worth fighting for to make sure there's more trees planted and that our oceans cleaned up and that we are investing in technology that, you know, helps make our air cleaner and helps, you know, make waste turn into assets that we can use and that excites me because it's mm. necessary and it's not being done well and it's not being done simply and it's not bridging the gap between, you know, this upper echelon 1% and the 99% who are making that engine room happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to do a top-to-bottom approach with the Climate Force Challenge, which allows people to integrate small-scale solutions within the space of policy 
education, travel, uh, business and in general lifestyle. Uh, five solutions in each of those categories that are super easy, super, like, everyone should be able to do them. And then, you know, having a more uh, big scale projects that um, restorative big scale projects like reforestation, direct air capture, biochar, agricultural solutions, you know, waste to fuel, uh, microgrid system powered 100% of renewable energy, like really big scale projects that are going to make a decarbonized future happen. Okay. But never forgetting that we need that 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 grassroots effort from people to to drive that business. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to marry the the big and the small solutions. And obviously, I have a focus on CO2, but I'd really like to see you know things like the United Nations Sustainable Sustainable Development Goals having right. that top to bottom approach with every right. one of their modules instead of just throwing this huge problem out there. These are small, adoptable things you can do on a day-to-day basis to resolve, you know, one of those 17 issues. And here's large-scale yes. infrastructure solutions that you can do to respond to this problem. Boom. And have 10 examples of each. But I don't see that. It's more words. And it's like, mm-hmm. I want to see those tangible, convenient solutions instead of just more inconvenient truth. And it sounds cliched. And, yeah. like, I'm, not, I'm doing respect to Al Gore. He's done a great job. But, like... We have enough awareness now, especially in this sort of group here. Yes. Like we need those convenient solutions tomorrow, yesterday. Yes, definitely. And so we actually have an agreement with the United Nations that we are saying we are going to promote these 17 SDGs. So uh, all of our articles are fall into those categories now mm-hmm. because we are trying to push um, content and that, that content for good, right? Um, and that's kind of what this podcast is. You know, you say, well, are people doing this for status? Are people doing this for this? We see this as an opportunity to use our leverage as a global media company to to really inspire people to go out, not just in business or in life or whatever they do, but in a purposeful and meaningful way to create change in the world. And that's what gets me out of bed, mate, to come back mm-hmm. to your come back to your question is like I get out of bed because I know that if I make an effort and whether it be talking to a homeless person on the street and trying to make them feel a little better or talking to a hedge fund manager and convincing him to plant a million trees you know I have the opportunity and the 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 doorways to make change in any situation and that makes me excited and I really like that I don't isolate whoever I'm talking to and obviously you can't give everyone time all the time but if you get into a situation and someone asks you for help on the street and you can't do it just say sorry mate can't do it I don't have any change don't just Mm -hmm. walk past problems and don't just walk uh, I don't know I, I, I think what gets me out of the bed in the morning is not to remain passive. I think passivity is just as much of a problem. Whether you see someone being racist mm. to someone and you don't mention anything, that passivity is almost as bad as being racist in yourself. You see a problem with climate right. change, you just continue to whinge about it and yet be a part of that system. That passivity is just as bad. And that getting me out of bed in the morning is that that there's, a, there's an element of guilt. Like, I've done so much. I've been to seven continents. I've been to 50 countries. I've... I've you know got a nice. I, you I, need the help. And I want to give back. I want to balance out mm. that 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 what I've taken away, which right. is a lot. You know, I've been on a lot of planes. I've got a really heavy footprint compared to most people, mm-hmm. and I register that. And I really just want to drive tangibility, tangible action, and things that we can touch, that we can feel, we can you know connect with on a visceral sense instead of just in boxes and in ones and zeros, which is important, but it's not the end game for me. And I think there are a lot of listeners out there that want to hear this, that need to hear this. 
uh, part of this podcast is for a younger generation and uh, inspiring them to make a career decision in a purposeful way. What advice would you give to somebody listening to this right now? Well, what I'm trying to do within coming back to virtual reality, you know, I'm, I can answer that question twofold, but like what mm-hmm. I'm trying to respond to in regards to opening those opportunities for people. You saw my virtual reality experience, mm-hmm. five minutes to the South Pole coming back, why I'm now pursuing this technology. But phase two of that is to have like, let's say five projects, reforestation project, uh, agricultural project, direct air capture uh, facility that's dragging CO2 directly out of the air, you know, maybe a microgrid system, uh, and you know maybe something uh, with materials or whatever just another like having five projects and having like a, a two minute immersive experience explaining you know what pe- how people work in that uh, in that field you know what what that looks like from the inside out in a in a kind of one minute two minute summary and you know that turns into a 10 minute compilation and you can put you know a student who's about to you know figure out what to do after high school into that and it just opens up opens up a world of, of, of possibility and making opportunity out of risk and problems instead of just bending to what's expected to you. Like, we, not everyone can be some serial entrepreneur or some super fancy person who's you know, affecting billions, but every single one of us can address problems and, uh, and try and mitigate risk, even if it's just on a small community level or, or uh, within our accounting business or being a dentist or having a construction company or making carpets or making houses or whatever industry you work in, <clears throat> work in you, can, you can inject sus- sustainability within that. And I think that that's something that I inspire more people to think about is to, just to have that autonomy to, 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 to try and do something different. Like we shouldn't just have that nine to five wake up, do the grind. Like we, we all have that creativity and ability to, to inject so many things into what we're doing and, and make a success out of it. And, and what do you think it's going to take? I think it's a top, coming back to my slightly facetious comment with, you know, what's people ad, uh, people's agenda with social media and all of that. But fundamentally, I think it comes down to status and econ- economics. You know, if you, mm. if you have, some, have a incentive that can encourage people to do something sustainable that affects their wallet, they're going to be down with that. If you have an incentive or a movement or a, a collaborative something that can affect their status, and, you know, you see Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian right. whatever her name is, <laughs> Justin Bieber, you know, right. Brad Pitt, all of these fancy people in, in you know, living out, you know, solutions or, or being a part of emotion and a momentum, and then being a part of that can suddenly be like a cool thing and a sexy thing, you know, that that creates real change and it's very superficial those things money and status but really those are the driving forces and if we can affect uh, and incentivize through both of those things I think it, it will really make momentum happen on a whole different scale and then hopefully there'll be more altruism and people just doing it for the sake of doing it because it's 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 expected and it's standardized but to make it standardized and expected we need to have that status and we need to make it cost effective and then after that because it's expected then you get a cultural revolution and and that's also i really agree with that point that's fundamentally that's what's going to take it's going to take the status the economic factors that play into that and part of the reason why hopefully i get a magazine here for you but you already get um already get you want okay uh, that's why we had Leonardo DiCaprio on our most recent issue. We call him the Climate Warrior. He went around, he did that movie. It affected a certain amount of people, but it's just going to uh, take more and more and more. 
and we saw him as a real leader. Um, the podcast is called Real Leaders. The magazine is called Real Leaders. The company is called Real Leaders. We think you're a real leader. So what do you think your definition is of a real leader? Well, that's a lot of real leaders right there. Someone who, who thinks about what they are going to do very, very, very carefully, and then they stick to it. Okay. And, and if they don't, and they've rushed it, or they haven't thought about it, I, I don't think that's a real leader. But if I, 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 I see a damn good leader as someone who's really fair, but they make a mission, they make a resolve, and then they just go for it, and they make it, they, they push towards that. But I think what makes an exceptional leader is to really do good due diligence and find that find that target or that momentum that really that you're set on and once you've committed to that even if it's a small decision or a big decision you make that happen and you follow through with it definitely well barney going to all these polls let's throw let's throw sky a couple dollar bills you know what i'm saying exactly. all right so barney appreciate your time man well thanks for all your man. efforts out there looking and forward to seeing real leaders get some get some good voices out there and inspire some people and absolutely them. that's the goal baby Love it. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Wow. Amazing. So I want to bring this back to my original question. What would you do if you wanted to change the world? How would you start? How would you know what to do? Well, Barney and his team in the Climate Force 2041 Challenge have come up with a couple things that you can start on today. It's a seven-year carbon dioxide reduction challenge. Now, the small things you can do are something that you can integrate in your everyday life. This is green your energy, you know, smart apps for cleaner power at home. Two, repurpose and reuse. Join the plastic-free challenge. Three, leave no trace. Offset your travel footprint. Four, consume responsibly. Start meatless Mondays. Five, plant together, empowering future stewards through educational projects. And if you're a business listening to this, think about these five things that Barney has put out for large-scale solutions. One, large-scale reforestation and conservation projects. We need more of them. Two, repurpose carbon dioxide filtered from air into innovative products. Three, ocean cleanup, targeting plastic, coral, and fisheries. Four, waste-to-fuel and bioenergy projects, including kelp, algae, compost, and biochar. And lastly, five, we need more green infrastructure, energy technologies that transform the grid. A big thank you to Singularity University's G-Summit for allowing this to happen and Barney Swan's Climate Force 2041 Challenge team. We can't thank you enough for your efforts that you are doing around the world, and we hope to inspire the listeners of this podcast. Folks, if you're like myself, who has a lot of friends that just haven't come around to climate change and don't really think they can make an impact, you know, share this with somebody. Or go online to get more evidence at real-leaders.com and pick up a free magazine today using coupon code FREEMAG. Oh, you don't read? Oh, you're too cool for reading? Well, that's fine, because now you can watch Shortcut. We've created short films for our readers who just don't have the time to read. Every leader has a story, and every story has a leadership lesson in it. To find these shortcuts, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's at Real Leaders Magazine. 
or follow us on Instagram at realleaders.shortcuts. All right, folks, that wraps it up for this podcast with Barney Swan. On the next episode, we have Barbara Minuzzi, a talented venture capitalist from Brazil who has a unique story. Growing up in Brazil and then coming to the United States, changing her career to be more purposeful, and investing in blockchain and biotechnology. It's a fascinating story. Barbara's an amazing person, and I can't wait till you get to take a listen to it. So with that, folks, go out there, have a great day, and always keep it real.